and we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 193, aka season 3, episode 13, uh, coming at you this Saturday afternoon-ish. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And since this is your live call-in show, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Holy, you know what? That's the first time I've ever given out the numbers uh, from heart. I usually have notes in front of me and I forgot to pull them up because it's been so long since I had to give them out and I can't believe it. I remembered it. So it has been a while. Uh, where have you been? Happy thanks, belated Thanksgiving. Uh, what is going on with you this past month, MC? Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I've been uh, chilling, you know, doing the same thing I always do. Um, <laughs> trying to think of a name for my bank. Um, let's see here. Um, MC Savings and Loans. Yeah, I went. I actually uh, re. I, I did that uh, seminar again. Um, MC Ameritrade. Yeah, there you go. McBank. Thank you, face. <laughs> Bank you, McBank face. <laughs> Put it up to vote. Let, let the internet decide. Yeah, we, we already know what that's <laughs> So... Yeah. So is that, okay, uh, so you say you're you're coming up with the name for your bank. That I guess that kind of buries the lead a little bit because I don't even know about this. You're you're thinking about starting a bank. You're looking to get into the financial industry. What what's the what's the impetus of that? Yeah, I want to start a central bank. I think that'd be uh, quite interesting, fun, and exciting. And uh, yeah, that's what I want to do. Okay, tied in. At- Oh, go ahead. Print my, own, you know, print my own money. You know, I could be, I could, you know, I could be a trillionaire. Okay, I was gonna say tied in at all to your uh, crypto coin, crypto, yeah, your yeah, altcoin. Same, yeah. same thing or a different yeah. idea entirely? Uh, same thing. Okay, because I, th- I think I may have, I think I may have shared this on the show once a long, long time ago, uh, and I'm, I'm sure this is not going to be the first time you've heard me share this idea, MC. Uh, but my idea for printing my own money was to write bad checks. <laughs> but yeah, hear me out. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. Right. So for, the, for those of you that ha- haven't heard this idea, it's not just bad checks. My idea was to like, you know, get, get some custom printed checks with, you know, denominations on them and then write the checks out to that denomination and then make the checks payable to like cash but post-date the check like five years out, right? And in the hopes that I would circulate enough of these checks so that by the time anyone decided to like deposit it or cash it because of the post-date, it would be, there would be so many in circulation that people would just trade these checks amongst themselves and then there would be no need, uh, there would be no need to cash it or deposit it uh, at all because even if you did, it wouldn't be good, but you could just, you could keep circulating them and trading them around, you know, for, for quote unquote fair value. Um, and then I, I would benefit at the top end by f- being the first introducer of those into circulation. What do you think of that MC again? Well, if you gave me one, the first thing I would think is, well, I, you know, most people want to put their money in the bank because it's easier to move it around once it's in the banking system. Yep. So, um, so if they can't deposit it because it's not the right date, um, then they wouldn't accept it. <laughs> They'd be or, like, uh, or they would accept it and then pass it on to somebody else. Right. That's how it circulates. I, uh, yeah. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, in in my example, it was a parallel to the current banking system where everyone, you know, you used to redeem your 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 uh, notes for physical metals and then they stopped doing that. And then, so everyone just keeps circulating these greenback, you know, these greenback pieces of paper. Uh, sure. And even though they're good to go in and out of the bank, they're not, they're, you know, they, they, they're still outside of the banking system when they're being traded amongst individuals. And, and that is precisely the way to start a new central bank. Would be exactly. That's why I'm throwing the idea out it, there again. Well, back it by gold and silver. And my bad checks Inici- would be backed initially. by 
Right. And my bad checks would be backed by, you know, dollars, um, you know, future dollars at least. Right. Redeem this in five years for, you know, you, you could do it at a discount then. Right. You could say like, you know what? I know I only owe you five bucks now, but here's a check for 50 bucks that you can redeem in two years. Look at all that interest. Right. Then there, then there's a discount to take it early. No, you don't like that one. No, it's it's too scammy. <laughs> of course, it's scammy. So, so well, so in, but see, that's the that's the beauty of backing it, having a currency backed by gold and silver at first, because it's totally not a scam at first. And then, as people get used to not taking the gold and silver, then you just it's just not necessary anymore. All right. Well, so are, are, is your new central bank going to be backed by gold and silver in any respectable form? Uh, haven't decided yet. Okay. I, say, I did see. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I would say whatever works. And so if 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 it's if it doesn't catch on, if people just trade them in for Bitcoin and and just uh, you know nobody holds on to the currency or or trades with it directly at all, then um, then I would say then maybe I'll back it with something. Okay. Why well, I, I know that. Uh the Liberty dollar, the last, you know, private bank currency that, um, was run by Bernard von Nothaus was like making a comeback in Mm. some form or fashion. Like I got, uh, I got an email trying to find it right now. Um, basically saying like he's relaunching it with somebody and it's going to be like E, um, E gold or E, E dollar, something like that, where it's going to be a cryptocurrency backed by gold and silver, just like the old uh, Liberty Dollar used to be. Mm. Can't find it. I don't remember how long ago it was. It, it was like within the last couple of months. Hmm. I can't find it. Oh well, moving on. So is that? So what else? What else is going on? Or do you have more to more to say about your central bank uh, plan? Like when? No, no. Just taking names for now. Yeah, I just I just need a name. I think once I get the name, it'll be like game on. Um, but it's kind of important to me that it has the right name. Well, I agree. Like I, I, you know, we've talked about this before as well. Any, anytime I come up with like a good name for something, I just start a Facebook page with it. And then I just reserve that for later yeah. when it, whenever yeah. the product or real service comes along that I want to do it. So what, once you come up with a good name, make sure that you like, you know, get the domain and brand it. And then, you know, at, at least that way you have it and then build the, build the bank around it. Yeah. So there's there's something that we talked about before uh, that was related to the seminar I went I went to again. Okay. Um, and the the idea that uh, what you resist persists, and so I guess we kind of resist the idea of a of a state because we're not statist, but um, that's going to persist. And so uh, we, we, you know we've talked about uh, alternative forms of government before, and. Uh, and maybe that's what we need to do is, you know, beat them to the punch. So they're trying to make, you know, a one world government uh, system. Um, so, uh, yeah, we need to make a world government, you know, with no rulers and no elected people and and no changing of the rules. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like, like this is it. This is the rules. You know, you can't you can't hurt people and steal their stuff. <laughs> you know. You know. So you know, and, that's pretty much it. But I don't, I don't know, you know, how how a, a court system would work under that situation. But um, it, you know, something like that, I think, would be good to establish as the world, uh, you know, world dominating uh, peace effort or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. So I will say this: having having gone through the same seminar you did, and coming up against that same problem you do you're having you know if you want to call it that the the same the same philosophical struggle that you're dealing with with that particular concept it was precisely um the the creation and existence of government um that i personally choose to reject that concept uh, as, as taught in the class as taught in the class and you know the 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 you know the quip you know what you resist persist because like I said, when you know whether you resist arrest or not, you're getting arrested, right? If you don't resist the state, the state exists. If you do resist the state, then the state persists. So 
I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see an exit from the state within the confines of that particular concept. Well, so, I'm not saying eg- an exit from it, but um, let's say we could go back in time before, you know, government existed and we knew this, you know, people were going to, you know, we can go back in time. We can see the future. Sure. And so if we could go back in time, we could create something uh, better than, than what we have now. And I'm not saying it has to be necessarily a, a government, but maybe just a set of ideals that is you know taught to everybody um, so that they can uh, you know not go in the direction of of a, a tyrannical government sure so I, I don't know what we would call that I don't know and that's why I said you know I don't I don't necessarily want a one world government but there needs to be something because you know there's so many stupid people that want that authority in their <laughs> life you know they need it they can't think for themselves and a whole and separate group of stupid people that want to be the authority yeah, yeah. So, um, it's it's like one of those things that there isn't really a solution to. Um, but I think I think avoiding it entirely, um, you know, it could be good for yourself, but maybe not for the world. And maybe they'll come after us and arrest us anyway. So that's what I'm saying. Um. So so yeah, that's that's kind of my idea. Is that we need to work on on a solid way, maybe even, you know, private court system, make it like reality TV, like, you know, Judge Judy. So everybody can judge the judge. Or <laughs> Judge know? Jerry Springer, because he's got right. a new one too. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think I think maybe we could do it, uh, you know, at a, at a worldwide level because, you know, we have the internet now. Um, and we could do, uh, you know, public... Uh, court cases and stuff like that and um and but base it on you know was there a victim (laughs) sure and just just to highlight my point earlier uh if you look for it might be on facebook i don't know if it's been uh what is it deactivated or unpublished or whatever but richie rich resolutions already exist as a third party uh arbitration private market service so, <laughs> so so i'm thinking taking it to the next level where let's say uh you know some corrupt cop in india does something and, and it could be anywhere but i'm just using india as a, an example okay um and ha- basically arrest him and have him go through our court system and 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 you know make him pay you know for his uh, transgression um and and in that way, you know, like, you know, nobody would be able to escape. Not even people in the in the, uh, you know, the typical government, you know, state state sanctioned government solution. Um, yep. We could, you know, basically bring people to justice that are, you know, the st- statist, <laughs> and uh, yeah, resolve it that way. So I don't know, just an idea. Like it would be really interesting to see um, if there's a way to use the the collective uh, might of libertarians around the world to um, kind of impose our our <laughs> definition of, of fair um, on the status. So I've got I've got a similar idea to that. Then let me run this by you uh, as something that might possibly be more feasible within the confines of our current situation. And that would be rather than go to India and arrest the guy, drag him over here to put him through trial. I'm not even saying we'd have to bring him over here, but okay, but support from everywhere in the world, right? Um, so we you know we could have courts, you know, all over the world. But you know, we're going after somebody who's connected to the government, so you're probably going to need more help than than just the you know local place in India could could afford. Okay. Well, and what I was, what I'm suggesting though, is not, not, not bring them to trial by force, um, but by invitation and omission, right? Um, and and to kind of to kind of highlight my point, like so, you invite you invite them to defend their actions, right, in this mm. newly created libertarian world court, um, sure, and then just 
just like, you know, just like is done throughout the world um, and here in the United States, when they decline the invitation, uh, you proceed to the trial without them, where they be convicted and found guilty, right? And then after, after they've been convicted and found guilty and sentenced, then maybe you can go after them. Um, and at which point, of course, they'll resist and saying that, you know, that no, 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 this, this was, you know, uh, oh man, what's that old quote from that Russian dictator views like this, this is a false tribunal. This is not a real tribunal, this false tribunal, something like that, um, where he, sure. uh, where he was, you know, brought in front of the UN. He said, you, you guys have no jurisdiction over me, uh, which they, they, you know, they will then make that claim that, you know, our court has no jurisdiction over them, um. But it won't matter because we can, we can carry out the sentence, you know, at that time and hopefully maybe uh, leave an example where the people who think that they really have done nothing wrong in the eyes of whatever government they're working for uh, mm-hmm. may feel compelled to come voluntarily, right, yeah. and, and defend and, themselves. And we, and we can start with those idiots on Facebook that, that post their, their pot busts. <laughs> <laughs> Are Pure. you talking about like the twenty-seven dollar one or whatever? Yeah, seventy-two dollars. They laid across the table. <laughs> Woo! Like, look what we found. See, you know, I I feel two ways about that because it's funny to joke about them and to poke fun at what a shitty little bust that they have. But whoever they arrested is still facing serious consequences. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I you know I and I think part of that uh, focus away from the victims of their abuse. Um, you know, it takes away from the the real crime, right? The real crime isn't how little bit they they've confiscated, uh, but how the lives of the people they confiscated confiscated it from is about to be destroyed um, over such a small amount of uh, you know contraband in an area where that stuff is still contraband, whereas where now you know the vast majority of the country doesn't care, right? Or the vast majority of the continent at this point with Canada, you know. Uh, legalizing or decriminalizing, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doesn't care. Like, good on good on you, bro, for being like you know the the, the last holdout um, of what's finally coming around to be you know positive drug war reform. I guess is that is that even a thing? I don't even know if that's how I want to phrase it, but that's what I got. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you know, so we start with those guys. You 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 try them, you convict them. You sentence them, and then you drag them over here. You know, just just like they would have dragged anybody else into court, right? Just like they do to other peaceful people who've harmed nobody. And then when 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 they complain, and you know, like, oh my, you know, my rights have been violated or whatever, you just go like, well, this is already okay, right? You've already accepted that this is this is an okay to solve problems because this is what you do to everybody else. And then holding you know holding that mirror up uh, in front of them. Uh, you know, to, so that they can see what they were doing, um, and then let the whole and and then I guess the proof, you know, that this is now a feasible thing uh, for the whole world to see that you know no longer are, can you hide behind your government or your job or your state workers because this new justice, you know, this new justice league uh, is coming after you. Hmm. Yeah. Anything so, else? Yeah. Okay, yeah. go ahead. That that was. You know, dream number two after I set up my bank. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then we can fund the, the, the mercenary extradition team. Yeah. The, the, also on Facebook, the Richie Rich Reclamation Project, right? Or not project, but Richie Rich Reclamation is, you know, how to get your stuff back. And if your stuff includes, you know, getting stuff back from those people, then why not? Branding is already there because I, you know, came up with the name years ago. I was like, oh, man. I basically like when it came to the, that stuff of branding. I basically said like, you know, how many jobs start with R, or how many, you know, because <laughs> because then you know you just you know because I like alliteration, so it's just Richie Rich and then something that starts with R. So even when I think even when this podcast started, I think I I uh, had like Richie Rich Radio or something just in case we branched out, like that's a thing as well, and then other funny names. What are the three R? What are the three R's? Resentment, revenge, and there was another one in there somewhere. Ah, uh, shoot! Putting me on the spot uh, is uh, resistance, resentment. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Resent, resentment, resistance, and revenge. Um, probably, I think. But um, 
<laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle. Um. <laughs> so, okay, you want the libertarian one? Because I, I sure. you, okay, so you, you have not participated in this aspect of the, the seminar company yet. Um, but the, uh, in, in one of the games that can be played, uh, you know, I my teammates were on my ass for like throwing in the towel after round one. I was like, I'm giving up on round one. I'm going to come out strong for round two. And they were like, no, bro, you can't give up. You, you, you got to like, you got to go for your dreams. I'm like, relax, dude. This is my own personal three R's. And I stole these three R's from the Libertarian Party. I was like, mm-hmm. retreat, regroup, return, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving up now, but don't worry. I'm going to get my shit together. I'm going to come back strong. <laughs> and then I did. I'm like, see, motherfucker, like, get, get off my back. <laughs> but yeah, retreat, regroup, return. Uh, as, as, uh, again, stole that from the Libertarian Party. So the, there's a lot of three R's going around there. It's more gimmicky branding stuff yeah that was it resentment resistance and revenge yeah yeah so anyway uh the 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 leader i'm sorry not the leader the the presenter at at the seminar his his name had three r's in it so he's he's in three r's all the time he said that was his joke oh who was your who was the facilitator (laughs) rob Rowe. uh rob Rowe. yeah oh no i didn't even his middle name is r2 (laughs) damn i I didn't know that i don't know either (laughs) He's a okay. So side sidebar, real quick. He's a hilarious dude. With as as dry as his comedy is, right? <laughs> he makes everyone laugh all the time. Yeah. And his Facebook postings are hilarious. So if you're not following Rob Rowe on Facebook, R O H E, don't let him there, know where you don't let him know you came from us. But find there, him there was a, there's another guy, Chuck, and he kind of pissed me off because he, he was like, oh, finally we you know we got the the uh the republicans out of the house or senate and i can't remember which one it was okay so we got the democrats in he was and he was happy about that i'm like are you serious dude <laughs> was he also I, a facilitator or was he just a guy in yeah, the class yeah he is he is okay and uh but he he did, he did a really good job uh at the at the ranch okay um so but yeah it's like you know teaching us all about personal liberty and and uh you know how to you know, free ourselves from you know, our, our past and open ourselves up to the future and all that stuff and wonderful and happy and all that stuff. Uh, but then, then you go like re- really caring about which politician is in office. It's just, yeah, it's just that's, so the dichot- that's the dichotomy at, even at the, even at the highest levels within that organization, that's the dichotomy, right? Yeah. Personal it's, responsibility, personal liberty. That, that left, right thing is just, it's, it's pervasive. It's, it's weird. It's just like it. People haven't like I don't know. To me, it's it was easy to go. You know what? I'm not sure about these libertarians, but let me try it out and see if it fits. Sure. Like, and then I did, and then I just kept learning more and more and learning about how uh, you know there's different lies throughout, even you know the way they teach history and stuff. Um, yeah. You know things that are just not true, uh, but they're presented as as fact and, and so we just now, went through the december 7th memorial for pearl harbor and all that that must have been so, fun yeah. back home so now most of the people think the fdr was a great president and they think that and and now they're being taught that you know george bush was an amazing president it's like no no really he was he kind of sucked just like all the rest of them <laughs> yep and hw was like you know it's like the, yeah the the last was it one term president if that matters to you, he. Uh, but he was also, before he was president, he was the head of the CIA. CIA, yeah. But which at the time was running drugs. Like he, <laughs> he was in charge of it. He was in charge of that operation, as far as I'm concerned. Like uh, he knew what was going on, and he didn't stop it. And he was the head of the CIA. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was just politics for him, but he he failed at his job and then became president afterwards. It's just. Uh, it's just sick, you know. <laughs> so, and and the weird the weird thing is coming at from coming at it from that perspective, is if he weren't the CIA and he weren't a government official, and he was like just a drug runner, we'd be praising him, <laughs> right? For like supply and demand, you know, someone has to do the dirty job. He's the man for the job. 
you know, all, all hail, you know, the guy for circumventing the laws and bringing products to the marketplace. Um, but when, when, when you take the hypocritical position of doing it under the guise of the state, right. Or, you know, while it's illegal and you're prosecuting others for doing it, and then you do it anyway, making yourself above the law, uh, that's when, you know, when, when we come down hard on that sort of behavior and point it out as like, not a good guy. Right. Well, I will also say this again, before we go on a mini sidebar, um, Chuck, the guy, the the guy you were speaking of earlier, is like fifty percent responsible for getting me to move on uh, to the advanced seminars. So I I owe him a little bit in that respect. Um, but then I I went into I went through some issues within the organization, uh, and then you know they 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 talk about the three R's and they talk about you know forgiveness and all that. <laughs> um, I did not feel any forgiveness from him, even you know even after the fact. Right. Like when I came back and, and came around, like I still, I still get a weird vibe from him that I'm still not welcome in certain circles within the organization. So, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And I'm not sure, but I think part of it could be those positions, right? You know, uh, I don't, I don't do it publicly. Well, okay. So I do do it publicly, like Facebook publicly, but I don't, I don't call out leaders of that organization out like in front you know in front of people in person right right, right? i, I kind of save that type of discussions um but it's you know it's i i'm pretty sure that a lot of them know my position on things yeah and, and, and you know what they're they are all great people and, and they they can definitely help other people and that's and that's what it's about yes um, but it's it's just it's just funny that that people can't see past their own bullshit you know, sometimes it's the hypocrisy. Yeah, it's but the, they, it's they really even, the hypocrisy. But they don't even see it. They, it's I don't even know. Like, and that's why I said, like, you know, you have to maybe, uh, tr you know, try try the libertarian shoe on and see if it fits. I mean, it, like, go deep into it and then, and then, and then see if it's valid. Um, and and if you haven't done it, then you, you, how could you possibly know? Like, you because you, you, you you can't see, um, how how bad you were you know yeah. like, how stupid you are or whatever you know like um yeah and i mean we, we've talked about it before but this you know the name of this show was stolen satired you know ripped off from the the atheist experience and a lot of the arguments that those show hosts made against um, religion and christianity uh totally foregone um when someone would challenge them about their love of the state uh it, and it was chalked up to those, oh, those are just those weird libertarians calling in to heckle the show, um, when it was really those weird libertarians um, calling in to point out the hypocrisy of the show when, you know, when you can use these same arguments um, against the state as they're using against, you know, the existence of, of God. Um, and, you know, and no, and then they, they continue to push, you know, at the time, because I haven't listened to the show in years now, um, you know, a leftist liberal agenda. Like they were all... You know, they were all Texas Democrats, amazingly enough, um, you know, hosting mm -hmm. that show. And they, they just, you know, can't see it. And I don't and I don't want to say I again, I don't want to make it out that it's, you know, a, an only a left thing, um, even though, again, that's, you know, that's <laughs> depends on who you talk to. Um, right. Kind of a, the the current enemy of, of liberty and freedom to the point where, OK, so I was I, I will share this real quick. Um, maybe not real quick because I don't do I do anything real quick. So I, w I was at the 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 monthly uh, porcupine meetup um, for for new movers. It's like the new mover party here in uh, the new city where I'm living, and it's like the you know it's once a month, like the first Tuesday of every month. Um, there's a potluck where the, the people are invited, and one of the gentlemen who recently moved here, I think he's been here for a little over a month. I helped him move in about a month or month and a half ago. Um, you know, when, when, when I first met him, you know, he jumps out of his truck, he's got a safe full of guns and he's got his like, make America great again hat. And it's like, man, that's a red flag. You know, like, I don't, I don't think he knows you don't have to like, you don't have to peacock that out here if you're, you know, if you're actually libertarian, but we'll mm -hmm. let it go for now. Uh, so he's been here for a little bit and, you know, I've, I've seen him around at other functions. Um, and during the, during the, uh, announcement section of this, uh, 
of this uh, potluck dinner. Um, they, they open the mic up and you can go up there and talk about whatever you want. You know, got a business you want to launch? Go ahead and talk about it. You need some help doing something? Go ahead and talk about it. Um, you know, M's doing a, like a meditation and foam rolling class. I'm like, get up there and talk about it. Um, she had her partner do it. She was too scared, but regardless. So this dude jumps up and gives the speech about how important it is after getting our asses, our asses, our asses handed to us in the last election, how important it is that the next go round that we all band together Despite our differences to fight this leftist horde, we must vote Republican. Uh, and the good news, right, is while giving that speech, there were some jeers from the crowd. Like, no, you know. And one guy, <laughs> one guy had the balls, right? I'm going to say the balls. It could have been the beer. I'm going to give him the credit with the balls. To say, like, the Republicans are just as bad, too. And he yeah. was hushed. He was shh. This is not your turn to speak. You will have a chance to get on the mic. Um, unfortunately, he never got on the mic to, you know, to, to actually like, you know, uh, debate that point. Um, and I, and again, I, ch- I chose not to as well. Um, and I, th- it's so a long time ago when I was, you know, when I was interested in the move, um, and I would, uh, you know, follow the people who have moved and the, the activities and activism that was being done. Um, one dude pointed out, he said, don't come here with your new fandangled ideas and try to rally the troops behind you. Because what you don't understand is we've probably already tried that. Like, you you know, there's there's not a not a, there's his his point was there's not a lot of new ideas floating around. What you're better off doing is like shutting up for a couple of years and just integrate yourself in with everybody else and then grow into a leadership role rather than trying to command one from the start. Um, and so my general feeling when it comes to those things is I show up, I have a good time. I talk with some friends, you know, I, uh, one of the dudes that, uh, helped us move in when, when we made the move, um, came down cause we hadn't, we hadn't seen him for the most part since that day, like we seen him at one function, you know, after that, but he, you know, he pretty much stays out of the limelight, stays out of the spotlight, just kind of does his own thing. Uh, but we sat there for like an hour and a half, just talking wrestling, you know, and, and video games. And it's, mm. you know, it's what I would do anyway, but now I get to do it with someone who understands, you know, personal responsibility, freedom and Liberty. Um, and so it's like, a, it's like a whole nother level, uh, again, uh, of conversation. You know, one one guy got up on the open mic. And he's like, "I used to be part of this mining operation in Montana, um, and any place else you go, right? And this was the example that was given. Any place else you go, that needs to be explained. That needs to be parsed out. You know, well, what what kind of mining operation? Um, everyone in the crowd knew he was talking about cryptocurrency and or Bitcoin. It was like, oh yeah, that you know, that <laughs> makes per that makes perfect sense. You know, to the the dozens of people, you know, at at dinner, um, whereas outside of it, you know. It, so there's there's certain assumptions that can be made, but there's also that element that's still stuck um, in the left right paradigm, and from my from my perspective point of view, still stuck um, too much in politics. Right? That's you know that's one thing that I'm I'm hoping to find more of is you know the the anarchist, the agorist, and I might just be in the wrong city. I'm you know I I know some of the there's more activism going on in some of the outlying. Um, cities from where we live and I was aware of that ahead of time but you know choices were made on on where the best place to land was and I think we made the right call there um, but yeah just you know mo- more people looking to ignore subvert you know bring down the state um, rather than get political and, and change things from the inside type of thing that's that's more my cup of tea uh, and the more you know the more the message gets spread of, of world peace one mind at a time through uh, personal responsibility and and complete liberty as opposed to voting for liberty and voting for leaders to help you solve your worldly problems i think the better off we'll all be mc right on do we have anything uh any uh posts that we want to talk about anything in the in the media the mainstream <sighs> i got headlines you want are we ready for headlines sure let's do it Oh, okay. One other thing, real quick, because I, I, I um, 
man, how do I want to, how do I want to broach this subject? So I'm talking, uh, I'm talking with a coworker and a lot of his issues are like family oriented, um, because he's got, he's divorced with kids and his fiance is divorced with kids. Um, apparently the fiance's, um, ex-husband is not that good with kids. So I'm going to throw this out there just as anecdotal. Um, and then if you have a comment, you have a comment, if not, we'll move on. So he's trying to like, you know, he, he's got uh, what I'm just going to call the stepkids, right? Uh, a male and a female stepkid. And he said that the fiance's ex-husband took the male and female children. Um, and, and I think the, they're like teenagers. They're not quite adults yet, but they're, they're beyond childhood age. Um, took them uh, to a, a topless protest um, somewhere within the, you know, within the community. Um, just so he could like ogle, uh, the topless protesters and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it, it was a topless protest, but it was more like, you know, uh, body positivity and the female rights to look like men and all that, you know, you get the, idea. <laughs> okay, sure. right. So my comment at the time was if, if he was there to ogle and it made the female kid uncomfortable, like, wouldn't it be interesting if she chose to join the protest, right? Would that, would that, you know. Because then she would be topless and her dad would be like ogling her, you know, or, or seeing that, you know, while he's trying to like ogle all these other, uh, females. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought that, I just thought that would be an interesting problem or an interesting solution, uh, to that particular problem. Uh, and I kind of, I, you know, I, we don't have much time to talk about it now, but I, I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit and run that idea by you, um, when it comes to that aspect of society that, um, where most people may not even agree with the protest, uh, how do you handle, how do you handle that? Um, and then, you know, how, what's, what's the point after the fact? Anything, anything from you? I know it's a, it's a weird setup, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure where to go with that. So we're just, I'll just have to say, I want to move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Headlines. Boston suburb fights drunkenness by. Requiring people to buy bigger bottles of booze? Headline, uh, the irony of Congressman's proposal to exempt police from his assault weapons ban. Uh, Headline, America's fitness boom is a free market success story. Uh, Headline, taxpayers will pay $1 million to tear down $18 million baseball stadium that predictably failed to rejuvenate Camden. Uh, That's New Jersey. Uh, Headline. Uh, when non-violence isn't enough, uh, does the right to self-defense apply against agents of the state? And finally, headline, uh, mother and children left homeless after police destroy house looking for a non-existent suspect. Uh, any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Um, any, anywhere is good. Um, there's a lot of good ones. Huh? Okay. Um, we'll do the non-violence one. Uh, if you haven't read it, it's long. So it's going to take me a bit to get through it. So if you want to, if you want to pause at any point along the way and comment as we go, uh, we can do that. But it, it also may be the only one we talk about uh, if we make it through it. Is that okay? Sure. So st- stop me whenever you feel the need to jump in. That way we don't have to go all the way back to the beginning if we want to hit some points. When nonviolence isn't enough, does the right to self-defense apply against agents of the state? I also thought that this was probably going to be the most important one we talk about because it's not only, but again, quick commentary before the article, not only is it um, a, an interesting topic to discuss, it's also a polarizing topic within the, the Free State Project itself. Um, because there are those that have said, yes, uh, it's okay to use violence against the state because they're already the aggressors. Yeah, and we, we they, sort of talked about that earlier. You know, it's 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 okay to arrest members of the state, right? It should be, but however, de- depending on who says it and how they say it, um, members have been uh, uh, kicked out of the Free State Project for for answering this question with a yes, um, and other members who similarly answer the question with a yes but do so more politically, like you know, with the, the more PC verbiage. How does one get kicked out of the Free State Project? Um, the Free State Project puts on two events a year: Freedom, Free, uh, the Pork Fest, um, and the uh, oh man, Liberty Forum, Liberty Forum, and Pork Fest. And so those me- those people 
who have been banished from the Free State Project are disinvited from attending those events. Like they're okay. they're they're banned from it. Um, Fair enough. They they no longer count towards the the mover numbers or the the Free State Project members in state numbers. Um, and any others, any other type of uh, association is null and void. Uh, prominent members uh, of of the libertarian community have been uh, kicked out of the Free State Project for this issue and also others that we won't get into. But it is, but just it is possible to get uh, to get kicked out of the project um, for whatever you know for for your views on this issue, depending on how you go about it. So I want to be clear about that. Uh, well, sure. Well, as a member well, of the project, and just so you know, the the whole the Free State Project is is about moving there to vote. So, of course, they're looking for a nonviolent solution, um, and uh, and that's that's their that's their uh, whole thing, right? Well, the vast majority of people believe that to be the case. The way the the reason the project has its own little schisms within within its community. Uh, of which I will probably be a part of at some point, is because when it was set up, the the goal of the Free State Project was to move 20,000 people to the state of New Hampshire, uh, which was voted on later. Uh, move 20,000 people to the same geographic location with the common goal of reducing the size of government where the maximum role is the protection of life, liberty, and property. Now, how you go about doing that has always been wide open. Okay. Right. So there was in the system activists, right? The the people who want to like run for office and vote and affect change from within the political system. Uh, but the project itself, and I'm one of them, also attracted a bunch of anarchists who went, well, if the maximum role is only that, let's just reduce it down to the minimum role of nothing at all, because no government fits within the w- within the scope of the way the project was defined up front. Because if it, if that's the maximum role, no government you know falls falls within that. Um, <clears throat> so that so that being set up right there, the people came to do a bunch of different things. Um, one of the one of the more uh, prominent members that I remember reading about years ago, uh, you know, I've met in person, and his goal is still the same. Right, he's getting up there in age. Says if I can be left alone. And just do my work, go home and smoke some weed in the in you know in the peace of my own home. Um, I'll probably be okay with everything else that goes on around this. You know, like you know, my goals from the beginning, my goals have changed basically. Um, you know, be, because I just you know I don't expect a hundred percent complete liberty in my lifetime. So the things that matter to me are these particular issues, and if I can have those, I'm set. Um, so there's there's a lot of different things going on uh, with within the concept um, of the Free State Project as it was initially defined. Right on. And again, to, to circle back to this particular article, uh, violence against the state has always been a controversial issue. So you you can get kicked out um, for answering this question, yes, and you can be invited to speak at other events for answering this question, yes. So. <laughs> D- depends on who says it and how they're saying it. Uh, reading the article, in August 2017, Richard Hubbard III stopped at a red light in Euclid, Ohio, but his front bumper went a few feet past the white line. The cops pulled him over. That's no surprise. Police in Euclid, Cleveland Heights, and the surrounding cash-strapped town strictly enforced traffic rules, but officers didn't just give the driver a ticket. The police demanded Hubbard, a black man, step out of his vehicle. Uh, dash cam footage shows that he calmly complied. Yet one officer immediately spun Hubbard around, bent his arm, and slammed him against his Hyundai. He flipped Hubbard again, punched him in the face, and kicked him in the growing. Hubbard screamed and put his hands up to protect himself. The other officer joined in. They threw Hubbard to the ground but continued to punch, hammer, and kick him. When he tried to protect his face... They chanted the informal motto of American police, Stop resisting! Uh, Even when Hubbard was subdued, prostrate with his hands behind his back and two large officers pinning him down, one officer continued to pummel his skull. Now imagine you witness the whole thing. A thought occurs to you. You're armed. You could shoot the officers, perhaps saving Hubbard's life or preventing him from being maimed and disabled. May you do so. 
Below, I defend a controversial answer. Yes, you may. Shooting the cop in this case is dangerous. They may send a SWAT team to kill you, and in many places, it's illegal. But it is nevertheless more permissible, indeed heroic, and Mor- admirable. Morally. morally. Oh, morally. Sorry. It is nevertheless morally permissible, indeed heroic, and admirable. You have the right to defend yourself and others from state injustice, even when government agents act ex officio and follow the law. Normally, it's wrong to lie, cheat, steal, deceive, manipulate, destroy property, or attack people. But common sense morality, as well as the common law hold that such actions are permissible in self-defense or in defense of others. The basic principle is that you may use deception or violence when you are not the initial aggressor and when you are reasonably believed such actions are necessary to protect yourself or others from imminent severe injury from an aggressor. You may lie to the murderer at the door. You may smash the window of a would-be kidnapper's car. You may kill a violent attacker when you reasonably fear for your life. Now ask, does it make a difference if the murderer at the door or the kidnapper is a lawfully appointed member of the U.S. government acting in his or her capacity as an agent. Civil Disobedience Discussions of resistance to state injustice often focus on civil disobedience. Think of Henry David Thoreau refusing to pay taxes that would support slavery or the American attack on Mexico. Think of Martin Luther King Jr. and countless other civil rights protesters allowing themselves to be jailed or beaten. Think of unmasked protesters uh, tearing down Confederate statues in the light of day. Civil disobedience is a public act aimed at social change. A civil disobedient openly defies some law or regulation with the goal of changing the law or how the laws are enforced. Frequently, citizens engage in civil disobedience except punishment, not because they respect the law, but because doing so helps ensure outsiders can see they are well-intentioned. But justifiable resistance needn't aim at changing the law, reforming dysfunctional institutions, or replacing bad leaders. Sometimes, people resist simply to prevent an immediate injustice. If you stop a would-be rapist, you aren't thereby aiming to end the patriarchy, eliminate rape culture, or get the Equal Rights Amendment passed. You are just trying to stop that rape. Similarly, if you shoot Officer Michael Amiot as he bludgeons Richard Hubbard, you're trying to save Hubbard's life not reform American police tactics expressed at Black Lives Matter or fix Euclid's financial woes. Resisting the police in this case is an instance of defensive action, not civil disobedience. You engage in defensive action when you use deception, destruction, subterfuge, or violence to stop a wrongdoer from committing an unjust or deeply harmful act. Don't confuse defensive action with revolution or violent social change. I argue we may defend ourselves or others from immediate threats of injustice, but I don't necessarily recommend we use violence, subterfuge, or deceit to change the form of government who rules, what the laws are, or how those laws are enforced. Strategic nonviolence, civil disobedience, protests, and elections are often the most effective ways to induce lasting social change. Violence can be a good way to stop immediate violence, but it's rarely a good way to fix a systematic problem. It is rarely a first resort though it may not exactly be a last resort either. However, we shouldn't assume strategic nonviolence of the sort Martin Luther King practiced always works in isolation. Charles Cobb Jr., the nonviolent stuff will get you killed, uh, and Akinyele Omuwale Omuju in We Will Shoot Back uh, both provide strong evidence that nonviolent civil rights activism succeeded as much as it had only because of earlier acts of violent self-defense. Uh, Whites initially responded by beating, killing, and lynching blacks. Uh, Armed black militias fought back, sometimes by killing cops or National Guardsmen. Once whites learned that blacks would respond in kind, they turned to less violent forms of oppression, uh, and more blacks embraced the nonviolent tactic with which we are familiar. But the authors argue that nonviolence would have been imposed had blacks not violently defended themselves first. Special Immunity Here's a philosophical exercise. Imagine a civilian commits an injustice, the kind of injustice against which it's permissible to use deception, subterfuge, or violence to defend yourself or others. Imagine thugs beat up a drunken trucker, the mafia hacks into people's computers and phones, or your neighbor throws people in his basement to punish them for smoking pot. 
Now imagine the same situation, except the perpetrators are government agents acting in their capacity. As such, the police beat Rodney King, the National Security Administration hacks your phone and emails without a warrant, or the sheriff arrests you for pot possession. Does that change things? Most people think it does, but that's puzzling. According to the prevailing view, our right to life, liberty, personal autonomy, property, and happiness can disappear by political fiat. My neighbors can eliminate my right to defend myself and others by granting someone an elected office. This view holds that defensive violence, deception, destruction, and subterfuge are regulated by different moral principles when it comes to government agents than they are in other contexts. Most people seem to subscribe to what I call the special immunity thesis, the idea that the set of conditions under which it is permissible in self-defense or defense of others to deceive, lie, to sabotage, attack, or kill a government agent is much more stringently constrained than the set of conditions under which it is permissible to deceive, lie, to sabotage, attack, or kill a private civilian. On the flip side, we have what is called the moral, moral parity thesis. The idea that, very simply, you have the same right of self-defense against government agents as you do against civilians. Officials have no special moral status that immunizes them from defensive actions. When they commit injustices of any sort, it is morally permissible for us, as private individuals, to treat them the same way we would treat private individuals committing those same injustices. Whatever we may do to private individuals, we may do to government officials. We may respond to governmental injustice in exactly the same way as private injustice. The moral parity thesis has radical implications. It means you may assassinate leaders to stop them from launching unjust wars. You may fight back against police officers who arrest you for something that shouldn't be a crime. Uh, example, marijuana possession or homosexuality. You may escape from jail if mistakenly convicted or convicted of a bogus crime. Your business may lie about its compliance with an unfair regulation or evade excessive taxes. A jury or a judge may nullify an unjust statute by refusing to convict those who break it. Uh, the moral parity thesis vindicates helicopter pilot Hugh Thompson, who threatened to kill fellow American soldiers to stop them from killing civilians during the My Lai massacre in Vietnam. It vindicates Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden for sharing at least some state secrets. It vindicates government agents who sabotage unjust efforts from within. My basic argument is simple. By default, we should accept the moral parity thesis unless we can find some good reason to believe that special immunity thesis instead. Upon inspection, though, the arguments for special immunity thesis fall flat. Governments and their agents aren't magic. Government authority. Some people think it's obvious why the government and its agents enjoy special immunity. They say that governments, or at least democratic governments, have a special moral power called authority. Authority means that when the government issues certain commands, edicts, regulations, or laws, it thereby creates the rest of us a moral duty to obey. To be clear, the, uh, for a government to have authority, this means you must have a duty to obey its laws, because they are the law, not simply because the law happens to coincide with pre-existing obligations. For instance, suppose I walk around downtown Washington, D.C. shouting, I, Jason Brennan, hereby command you not to kill people. Uh, bystanders would indeed have a duty not to kill people, but not because I said so. My command is morally inert. But most people think that government commands are different. When the government co commands you not to smoke pot, you thereby acquire a duty not to do so. Uh, this argument that, government's spe that governmental special immunity rests upon political authority has two major problems. One is that there is little reason to think that governments have authority, period. The other is that even if government has some authority, there is little reason to think that they have the authority to violate our rights, abuse their power, or cause us severe harm. Philosophers have spent 2,500 years trying and failing to justify the idea that governments have authority. But, and this seems to be the consensus in philosophy today, uh, none of the arguments really work. For instance, your 6th grade civics teacher probably told you that government has authority because of a social contract. Uh, you agree to obey, and the government agrees to protect you. But the social contract metaphor falls apart. Contracts are voluntary, but you never consented to and have no right or opportunity to opt out of the contract with your government. Contracts require mutual exchange. But the U.S. courts have repeatedly ruled that government has no obligation to protect you, even if you pay your taxes and obey the laws. Plus, even if you were to agree to a social contract, you'd have no good reason to give up your right to self-defense against government abuse. 
Even abolitionist Leviathan author Thomas Hobbes thought such rights remained with the people. Uh, other philosophers, such as H.L.A. Hart and John Rawls, say that government authority arises from a duty of fair play. They say your neighbors help provide beneficial public goods. When they do so, since you benefit, you should do your share. The fair play theory may explain why a person should pay taxes and serve on juries, but it would be bizarre to say you benefit from some public good the state provides uh, in order to avoid unfairly free riding on the efforts of others to provide those public goods. You must not only pay your taxes, uh, but you must allow the president to exterminate and forcibly relocate Native American tribes. You must let police choke, subdued, and handcuff men to death. You must allow Congress to wage war at will. You must allow the police to arrest you for smoking pot or selling big gulps. Those things have nothing to do with paying your fair share, playing fair, or avoiding free riding. Anyone who wants to defend the special immunity thesis on the basis of government authority has a serious burden. It's not enough to justify a general kind of government authority. One must instead explain why democratic officials have the specific authority to commit severe injustices, the kinds of injustices where it would be a valid use for us to use violence, subterfuge, or deception against civilians if the civilians were trying to try to commit them. Suppose a police officer following a Fugitive Slave Act arrests an escaped slave in antebellum America. Suppose I shoot the police officer in order to free the slave. Even if we suppose that the U.S. federal government in the 1850s were authoritative overall, it's implausible that citizens have a duty specifically to let it enforce human slavery. Until I see a compelling argument for a theory that says otherwise, I'd regard it as reductio of any purported theory of authority that it is implies I must let police officers behave in such a way. Other arguments. Maybe governments have authority over some issues, but that doesn't justify granting their officials special immunity from defensive actions. So let's go look so let's go looking for other possible reasons to believe the special immunity thesis. Some people say that we should not resist government injustice because you but use peaceful methods instead. We may vote the bastards out, vote in better bastards, protest, write letters, or post scathing memes on Facebook. Of course, it's a basic rule of self-defense that we cannot use violence if peaceful alternatives are just as effective. Violence is allowed only if necessary. That holds regardless of whether you're defending yourself from abusive police or an abusive spouse. But more fundamentally, this argument misses the point. Remember, defensive actions are about stopping an immediate injustice from occurring, not about altering the rules or affecting who rules. Voting blocks sometimes change bad laws. Prote protesting sometimes gets a local police department to hire better staff or better officer training. Uh, but in the heat of the moment, as Officer Daniel Pantaleo chokes Eric Garner to death, you're not going to save him by writing a letter to the newspaper editor. Some people say that the moral parity thesis is dangerous because too many people will bungle it up. According to this objection, the problem isn't with the principle of self-defense, it's that we're bad at applying it. People will mistakenly conclude that they may lie, deceive, or resist police even when they should not. I should keep my mouth shut lest I induce you to start firebombing Congress. Uh, but if anything, this objection gets the psychology backwards. In real life, most people are dif differential cowards, all too willing to abide the gassing of Jews, torturing of prisoners, or bombing innocent civilians uh, because their governments order it. Few people stand up for themselves or others against officials in, posi in positions of authority. If anything, proponents of the special immunity thesis should keep their mouth shut, lest they corrupt us even further. People are far more likely to obey Stalin when they should have deposed him than they are to stand up to a cop when they should have backed down. Still others say that we must not defend against government officials because we have a prohibition against vigilante justice in our society. The idea is that when a stable, workable, and fair public system of justice is in place, we must let it handle criminal justice matters rather than take justice into our own hands. Fair enough, but also irrelevant. Sure, if the police are saving your neighbor from being mugged, you shouldn't intervene. They probably will handle the situation more competently than you. Uh, but if police ignore or simply cannot stop the mugging, you may intervene. In the case of civil forfeiture, laws that allow police to seize your property on the thinnest of pretenses and laws that make it nearly impossible for you to recover seized property after the fact, the police themselves are the muggers. In 2008, the Douglas County, Nebraska Sheriff's Department seized $63,530 from a man named Mark Brewer. Even though Brewer could show he had obtained the cash through legal means, 
the officers never, cha- never charged Brewer with a crime, not even a moving violation. But despite ample proof that the money was legitimate, he never got it back. He would have been justified in threatening those officers or in treating those officers like carjackers. Others say that these ideas are dangerous because governments might respond badly to the resistance. If citizens defend themselves, the state might double down on its oppression. Indeed it may, though should we indeed it may, though we should be careful in assessing how this affects our duties. Imagine a bully saying to you, if you don't give me your lunch money, I'll beat up two other kids and take theirs. Does his credible threat eliminate your right of self-defense? If anything, there's reason to think that those worries about potential fallout don't apply so strongly to democratic governments. Surely, police respond to resistance with increased violence and militarization. People think it would have been justified, however, to assassinate Mao or Hitler. Uh, Yet, historically, dictatorships have responded to assassinations by killing civilians and crushing civil rights. Uh, When Fanny Kaplan tried but failed to kill Lenin, Lenin unleashed the Red Terror. In contrast, when Democratic leaders are assassinated, not much happens. Four U.S. presidents and 13 congresspersons have been killed, and a few others have been targets. None of these events caused humanitarian disasters or terror purges. The U.S. government has committed and continues to commit many atrocities, but not in response to assassinations. When the IRA murdered members of parliament Ian Gao uh, in 1990, the British did not respond by killing innocent Irish citizens, even though the British have a strong history of killing innocent Irish people. Uh, When Swedish Prime Minister Olof Palm was assassinated in 1986, the government convicted a suspect of the murder, but the conviction was overturned on appeal. Just following orders. Suppose your neighbor becomes convinced sugar is horrible for you. He threatens to lock you in a closet for 30 days if he catches you with a cupcake. Now suppose the government outlaws sweet treats and makes the same threat. Is there any reason to view these cases differently? Police officers enforcing the law think they have no choice. After all, we the people make the laws with some help from our duly elected representatives, appointed officials, and various lobbyists. The police promise to enforce whatever laws we hand them. This view of policing fundamentally misunderstands moral responsibility. It's true that we sometimes ask soldiers, police, bureaucrats, and others to enforce unjust laws. We, the people, often deserve the blame for creating bad laws. But police can and should say no. Better yet, they should lie and say yes, but then choose not to enforce the bad laws. Government agents don't relinquish personal moral responsibility by agreeing to wear a uniform in exchange for a paycheck. Making a promise to obey superiors or to follow legal codes does not relieve us of our moral duties. Suppose I may tell my frequent co-author, Bas van der Bossen, that I promise to heed his commands in exchange for a salary and medical benefits. If he then orders me to hack the neighbor's email, I don't get to say, well, shucks, I promised. Other people's rights don't disappear because I made a deal. Uh, Promises to follow orders can constrain our personal freedom, but they cannot override or eliminate our pre-existing moral obligations. Uh, Government agents sometimes work for our benefit. Cops assume a great deal of risk, if not as much risk as lumberjacks, farmers, fishers, roofers, truck drivers, or construction workers, judging by the fatality numbers. Uh, Congress people, generals, and presidents accept stressful jobs with grave responsibility. We should honor what the government does for us. How dare we say, how dare we do any less? At the same time, officials also take on greater than normal obligations to protect rather than violate our rights. How dare government agents do any less? And if they do dare to violate our rights, then they, not we, should suffer the consequences. All right, long, and we're running over. So your thoughts on anything I just read in the last 20 minutes, MC. (laughs) Well, hey, it gets down to uh, the the bottom of it. Um, I I don't really have anything to add. I think everybody should read it and decide for themselves, you know, how they, they feel about that. Um, I think, you know, especially politicians and you know, government officials should read this type of stuff and, uh, to really put it in context because, um, you know, they, <laughs> most likely they, they've never considered, uh, that, that, that they don't have special superpowers you know? and that's why they, that's why they want the position, right? <laughs> because they believe it does. Uh, so, yeah. Yep, I agree. And and again, I'm going to be very judicious with what I say. And I think I agree. Well, personal feelings aside, 
I always think that any act against a government official is an act of self-defense because before they do anything good for you or do anything to you, they've at least already stolen a portion of your money uh, to fund their operation. However, I think you're more likely to get the public behind you and to get you, you, you know, to be exonerated for your actions uh, if you only attack those public officials who are in the midst of attacking somebody else. Right there, the, the way the article put it was the immediate danger behind the behind the threat. So, sure, you know, people go like, "Well, so you're an anarchist?" I go, "I don't even like public school teachers." Now, do I think that you know you should go out and attack public school teachers? No. Do they deserve it? <laughs> Absolutely, because they get a check from the state. You know, that's you know that's my job. Sure. I wouldn't do it, but I can see why you would, and I wouldn't fault you. I wouldn't fault you if you did, uh, but be judicious about it when doing so um, because community standards uh, reign in the real world as well. All right. Final thoughts? Uh, no. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, you guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience to get the rest of the uh, headlines that we didn't get to, uh, minds.com slash theanarchistexperience, twitter.com slash theanarchistexperience. Ah, forget it. Uh, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.